0: From an evolutionary astrology perspective, I really see the soul as, you know, we're looking at the soul through its evolutionary journey. So I see the soul as this infinite energy that continues to incarnate into this finite physical experience to essentially have an understanding of what it means to be human and to experience being human throughout all of the dynamic ways and qualities and a spectrum of emotion that human beings can feel. I don't know if you might believe in other consciousnesses in the universe, but I believe humans are one of the only ones that are able to feel emotionally rather than be in neutrality. So I think that's also one of the reasons why the soul likes to come back through.
1: I'm Alison Rice and welcome to Offline, the podcast. These are honest conversations about true self with the people behind the Instagram accounts and the teachers who help us on our way. A lot has changed since I launched offline in September, 2018. It started as a podcast and thanks to your ongoing support, it turned into a movement. Today. Offline exists to help us explore the essence of who we are and how to live, create and succeed in alignment with that. This is our true self. There's the podcast, a series of online courses I've created with our collective needs in mind and experiences that allow us to connect as a community. Visit getoffline.co to find out more or follow getoffline.co on Instagram. I hope this episode helps you on your way. Thank you for being here. In this honest conversation, Daisy explains why our birth chart is actually a reflection of everything we already are. She also shares what parts of our chart relate to things like our unique gifts, our work, and our karmic paths. And given we recorded this episode while in lockdown, I also asked her to share a bit more about what she believes is at play cosmically. While our hearts remain heavy for those who have lost their lives or the way they make a living, it is evolutionary to try and move into reflection. I was particularly intrigued to learn that Capricorn is asking us to look more deeply at patriarchal constructs and definitions of success. Here's beautiful Daisy and I for offline, her Instagram handle is flowers for days underscore astrology. So what do you usually ask? Like, what should I, because I'm quite into astrology, so I feel like I know, you know, not heaps, but I know a little bit, um, but maybe my three signs. Is that a good place to start?
0: Yeah, the primal triad. That's always a good place to start for sure.
1: Well, I'm um, a Cancer Sun Mm. and I'm a Cancer Moon, so I'm just like Cancer inside out. And I'm a rising Aquarius, which, um, you know, it's really interesting because the Aquarian really shows up in my work,
0: Mm, of course, how I present
1: myself to the world. Yeah. um, And lately I've been really leaning into that Aquarian energy to get some of the work out because the cancerian in me oh, it's just it scares the shit out of me and I just yeah. want to stay super small super safe and not expose myself but I've you know really the last six months I've had to do a lot of my own self-work on stepping up and in
0: beautiful mm. yeah that's so lovely I adore cancerian energy so that makes me so happy <laughs> to hear that Glad. you're double cancer do you have any like earth or virgo in you
1: Um, I don't think I do actually. I should have brought my full, um, my full list of stuff. Um, no, I don't think I, I do. And I've been told that, um, I should surround myself with, um, some earth signs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is that what you were kind of getting at or not? Because, um, I guess, is that the grounding nature of earth signs that I need? Because I'm kind of up in my emotions.
0: Well, I think for sure the Cancerian energy, like I I know I'm personally a Virgo and I feel like you and I, or the Virgo and the Cancer, we make each other feel very safe because the Virgo is very grounded and reliable and the Cancer, I think really loves that. But then the Cancer reminds Virgo how to nurture and look after itself. So, (laughs) but I think also I was asking you because, um, you you do seem to be on top of what you're doing. And that's why I was like, oh, maybe there is a bit of Virgo in there. And, you know, even the, the courtesy you have around how you, you know, want to host these podcasts, which is so beautiful, you know, and the kindness and the thought you
1: have around, um, who you're interviewing. I was like, maybe there's a little bit of Virgo in there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, it is. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other thing I've kind of been trying to I don't know how successfully I actually move through is my perfectionism. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. And my need for things to be a 100% right before I present them to the world. And mm-hmm. I did get to a point with self-study, which is the um, online school I've launched. You know, I was going to do it in December and then I was going to do it in January and then February. And I was like, I'll oh, just let it go. Like, you just have to let this thing go. And my... Yeah. um my okay, I understand, is a lot of people's perfect, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but sometimes my perfectionism can stop me from actually releasing work. Like, I've got a lot of stuff no one's seen yeah. because I'm just like, and I don't know yeah. what that is. And maybe interesting for us to explore, like, why, and I, you don't even have my chart. So that's, I should have probably give you my birth data, but like, <gasps> one of the things that comes up for me a lot with my work, so creatively, I always feel like I've got to move through a bit of shame. And um, mm-hmm. potential embarrassment for what I'm creating, putting out there,
0: is yeah. that common?
1: Do you hear that a lot, particularly from female creatives?
0: Yeah, I think definitely. And you know, if we if we did have your chart to look at, we'd definitely be able to see where that would be relating back to. But you know, I think everybody has their own little thing that can inhibit them from showing up in the way they want to, and it's always usually relating back to early childhood experiences. And, you know, even if there wasn't a direct communication like that with your parents, there might have been some modelling that happened that made you feel, you know, like I found, for example, people who have the moon in Virgo, they tend to really attach perfection to love or love to perfection, so it's like I will be loved if I achieve this illusionary state of being, which is actually something I'm making up in my own mind, <laughs> you know. Um, but you never know. Maybe you have, um, you might have your south node in Virgo. You might have Chiron
1: there. I think my, and I wanted to talk about those two actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's one of my favourites. It's been very revealing for me. I think my South, my south is in Scorpio. Oh beautiful. And, um, yeah, and then um my north is in Taurus, I Taurus. think. Taurus. Yeah. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. 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 But let's yeah. um let's start first with now that I've got my own selfish part out of the way. Um, <laughs> okay, I would love to um learn a little bit more about you so um you've become one of my favorite astrologers to follow on Instagram Aww. actually yeah um and you just present really beautiful gentle work and it's just so nice to receive especially in the flood of everything that you know Instagram can be um it's a broad question but tell us a little bit about you and i guess broadly how did you come to astrology because i know you went to astrology school and i'm like i want to go there where is
0: that yeah <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Well, thank you so much for having me today. And I'm so grateful to be here with you. And i just like to acknowledge that you have such beautiful energy. (laughs) It makes me feel very comfortable to be here. So yeah, I'm excited to see what we co-create. And yeah, astrology is one of my, it's just a part of who I am now. It's one of my greatest passions. And I definitely feel like it's something I've been working with throughout multiple lifetimes. So I've always from a young age been fortunate enough my mom, she always surrounded me with spirituality and you know she used to teach me meditation when I was little and and came came into my school and taught everyone meditation and I think everyone just stayed for the chocolates she'd give out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so beautiful to be surrounded by that and introduced to that and then of course through some personal things that happened in my life when I was a teenager and coming of age. um, I was spiraled quite deeply into my own, um, you know, desire to explore who I am and and my connection to the universe. Um, And that came off the back of having a really intense eating disorder, um, you know, breaking up from my first big love as we do that first big heartbreak. Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, being a cancer, right? Cause my love planet oh, is in cancer as well. So it's like with that cancer, it's like a lifelong bond. Once we open our heart, it, it it's so hard to shut it off. Cause it's like
1: that mother child.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> so, nodding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And then, um, one of my dearest friends, I I spent a lot of my childhood in between Bali and Australia. And she essentially introduced me to astrology when I was um, in my early teens. And at the beginning, I was like, what is this nonsense? You know, because pop culture gives it such a bad reputation, right? And luckily today, that's really changing. But I started reading this book and I was just, I just became really obsessed. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to keep learning. And And then eventually, I signed myself up to a Sydney Sydney astrology school when I was living Uh, in Sydney. That's what it's
1: called. Okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. And my my teacher there, Mark, he's still running classes, and he's just he's phenomenal. And um, I studied with him for about three plus years, and then I've from there just continued doing heaps of other courses and self study, and you know, it's one of those things that you can study for the rest of your life and continue to find more which is so exciting so
1: yeah mm, I'm sure it's like the um the the deeper we are in something the um I guess the more mature our inquiry as well mm-hmm. so I've had this with um I'm a Vedic meditator and mm-hmm as I've started um, studying the Vedas, so I've done the first three and I've got the next three to go, it's really interesting the questions I was asking about um, the Vedic texts and the technique, you know, even just eight, nine months ago versus where I am now. And it's this really interesting thing, like, yeah, the the more we commit ourselves to, you know, really going deep into a body of knowledge, the more mature our inquiry becomes. And then, it, like you said, I just – Even with Vedic, I'm like, I don't see where this ends. Like I don't see an end point. Um, But that's really, yeah, beautiful to know that you continue to learn, isn't it? Because I think some part of – and I don't know whether this is like maybe a real traditional success structure that we go to university and we study this degree and then we're qualified to go and do this profession. But so much of this work and cosmic intelligence, right – it requires us to continue being that seeker on behalf totally. of other people. So it's um yeah. it's beautiful. Can I ask you, um, and I think I asked this on behalf of both myself and perhaps a lot of women listening. How did you move past um, you know, and maybe you didn't have any, but how did you move past like limiting beliefs about yourself in the role of teacher? Like I think so often, mm-hmm. particularly as women. We don't allow ourselves to sit in our expertise. It's all about like what, yeah, what degree do you have? What course do you have behind you to say that I can go out and teach this thing? How did you overcome that?
0: Yeah, I think fortunately from a young age, um, I had a very supportive mother who My mom was always like, the world is your oyster. You can, you know, I support you to do anything. And I was actually studying for two years, a commerce degree at the University of Sydney. And then I dropped out because I was like, dropped out with a hefty debt. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why I tell some of my clients now, I'm like, if you don't want to go and do a higher education, don't do it because you will have a debt. And then, you know, and then you might not actually, you know, so, but anyways, okay. I dropped out and, um, fortunately, uh, my mom was really supportive of me when I decided to fully commit to the astrology path, but I've definitely come up with my own, um, limiting beliefs for sure. I mean, one of the biggest ones I've dealt with my whole life on the deepest level, which I think is a bit of a cancerian one. It's like just feeling, you know, like nobody likes me. I had that from a young age because I grew up being so different to the environment I grew up in. And I never was really accepted for, I guess, my differences. So you go through a period of trying to fit in and then you feel even worse. And then you try to rebel because you don't want to fit in anymore and then you feel even worse. So that was very much a coming of age experience for me. But, um, I've also found, you know, as my social media following has grown, something that a lot of people don't talk about often is that as you have more eyes on you, the pressure on your shoulders grows as well. And you can feel quite, like I've been coming up a lot lately with um, imposter syndrome, it, or I don't yeah. even like to call it that, you know, but that feeling of, oh, wow, why why is this happening? Do
1: I deserve this? So. but what is that then? What should, this is good for us. Let's, yeah. let's try and redefine Imposter syndrome, because I'm the same as you. I very rarely say it because I'm like, Ugh, it just doesn't really fit, you know, I don't know, like my current, I guess, state of being. But is it then like deserving worth, our deserving power? Like, is that yeah. more what it is? Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I
0: definitely think so, for sure. I think it's about being able to, like, for me, a big one is being able to go, oh, I can accept that I am an authority in my field. And that's been a big one for me, you know, to really step into um, owning that. And and I'm still learning how to do that. And, you know, one of the big things for me even is having really healthy self-talk before I go into a session with a client and just saying, you know, because I'm also a Virgo, I have that perfectionist thing. It's like, when I put pressure on myself, I then end up, Creating an experience that isn't as enjoyable because I'm, I have this like mean girl voice in my head that's like, that could have been better. Did, how are they receiving that? Right. You know, and even oh, yeah, though my clients are phenomenal. <laughs> so it's just like, I think really having that awareness and being able to catch yourself. And even if it means, you know, having uh, whether it's affirmations or like a little dialogue that you, speak to yourself before going in and just remembering as well, when you are a big one, I've learned when you are running your own business, you don't necessarily have an authority figure that's saying, Hey, you're doing a great job. You're doing amazing. Like it's up to you to be telling yourself that, you know, and when we're Mm. running our own business, we usually are the only one that's critiquing ourselves, but who's the person in your life saying, you're doing amazing. you know. So there has to be a balancing out of that as well. Um, I, but I think the biggest thing that has helped me through all of this, honestly, is I do a lot of reprogramming work. I mean, I avidly, I love doing um, hypnosis and reprogramming the neural pathways in the brain. So whenever an insecurity comes up for me, I just go straight down and take a look at it and heal that. And I, I've been doing that a lot through Lacey Phillips
1: work. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Expanded. Yeah.
0: She's awesome. I love her. So yeah, that's probably been the most helpful thing for me. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. as long as we, for you, I guess it's your, your amazing Vedic meditation practice. It's like, as as long as we have an anchor point where it's like, okay, this negative self-talk's coming up. What can I go now and use to help bring me back into my self-worth and ground me? And mm-hmm. I think a big thing I've learned as well is just even if we're feeling a bit scared and nervous, continuing to take action steps that communicate healthy self-worth, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so nice. Um, I completely relate on the, what is it? It's like the publicness of your um, persona, isn't it? Because you know, I've always been a real behind-the-scenes person in publishing, so I was like behind brands and then launching mm-hmm. things and putting work out into the world that isn't me facing it. That, I was like, oh, this is amazing, Do it in my yeah. sleep. Now, um, I've found that I really, as my own following, which is still beautifully humble and I hope it stays that way because I'm all about sort of niche and hyper-focused over like big, um part of what's been coming up for me is this real need, and I know it's the cancer in me, to withdraw. Yeah. And every time I, something comes up, I'm like, I really want to share that. And then I start to question myself and go like, oh, someone going to say something? Because like DMs, really hard, like a lot of mine are beautiful and my community mm-hmm. is just like, honestly, the fabric of my being now, like they are such a big part of what drives me forward. But, you Mm -hmm. know, every now and again, you get a curly one where you're just like, oh, I feel so judged. Oh, I feel so exposed. And I only need one of those out of like a thousand of the other ones to have me right in the shell. Like it doesn't take much for me to like retreat. And I'm really trying to work on when it comes up. And this is a bit of that, like David Hawkins, letting go technique. Is like allow that shame and embarrassment to be there. Mm-hmm. Just like totally. welcome it, like hold it and be like, hey, have your way with me. And then let it go. Cause I think part of what I've been struggling with is the resistance to the feeling and then just going, yeah. to fuck it, I'm just going to stop the podcast. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to cancel my Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm just like so black and white like that.
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm the same. I'm, I'm very, definitely very sensitive. And in one way, it's amazing because it's essentially pushing us to confront all of our deepest wounding, right. That needs to be healed so that we can keep sharing our gifts. So that's amazing. But yeah, I think as well, it's so important to not You know, because then there's that whole self-talk of like, oh my gosh, I'm allowing this to affect me. And it's like, again, not judging that part of ourselves either, right?
1: As you know, Daisy is an evolutionary astrologer, and part of her mission is to help people discover why their soul has incarnated. She also uses the birth chart to reveal the unresolved karmic pattern some of us were born with it's common for people to continue to live out this habitual shadow side. It's fascinating and revealing. Through that lens, I wanted to understand her definition of the soul and why we keep coming back.
0: Yeah, I love that. And. Uh, yeah, I love everything you just said, because a huge theme that's been coming up for me lately in my readings is essentially that us as humanity right now, especially with what's happening in the world uh, present, we're being pushed to redefine what success does mean to us, you know, and, and at the same time as well, like what does stability mean to us what does survival mean because it's different from what it used to be but a lot of us are still really holding on to these outdated modes of surviving and thriving so I just Mm -hmm. yeah full support um thank you (laughs) in terms of the soul I I love this question and from an evolutionary astrology perspective I really see the soul as you know, we're looking at the soul through its evolutionary journey. So I see the soul as this infinite energy that continues to incarnate into this finite physical experience to essentially have an understanding of what it means to be human and to experience being human throughout all of the dynamic ways and qualities and spectrum of emotion that human beings can feel um i don't know if you might believe in other consciousnesses in the universe but i believe humans are one of the only ones that are able to feel emotionally rather than be in neutrality so Mm -hmm. i think that's also one of the reasons why the soul likes to come back through and in terms of the reincarnation the soul will always come through with um anything that might have been unresolved from a previous lifetime along with certain gifts but really in evolutionary astrology we're looking at what is this you know not just in this lifetime but what are these soul themes that you've been carrying with you throughout multiple lifetimes that are potentially causing you to reincarnate in very similar stories or patterns and that's why like it gives us even more motivation to really try and work through our shit in this lifetime so that we don't keep reincarnating with the same patterning <laughs> you mm-hmm. know it's like looking out for ourselves in the next life <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. it's so crazy isn't it like yeah why do we do that to ourselves <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I love what you said then I think like you asked me like you know do you believe in different you know forms of consciousness and I guess what I've been learning is like how actually lucky are we and how exquisite is it that we are consciousness with the ability to intellectualise consciousness. Mm -hmm. Like how incredible is that that we are able to have an understanding of why we're here and what's at play Um, and that's that big leap, isn't it, is when we start identifying more as a body of consciousness than as a as the physical, yeah, um, that's where all the fun begins, doesn't it? Or sometimes not fun. And I guess yeah, that's yeah. the other thing, and it wasn't a question I had for you, but I'll ask it now. Um, how do you hold, um, I guess, challenges for people you're doing readings for? Because, you know, a big part of um, moving into higher states of consciousness is overcoming bigger challenges. Like mm-hmm. the more conscious we are, the harder shit gets, essentially. Um, how do you hold that for people that you're reading for? Because I guess you can probably sense and understand and see what might be at play. Um, how? Yeah. How do you? How are you in that for them?
0: Yeah. Well, so much comes through there, and I think one of the most. one of the biggest intentions behind what I do is to re-empower people. Um, You know, we've come out of that age of Pisces where people were looking to a guru. They were looking to a teacher outside of themselves. And now I believe being in the age of Aquarius, it's about finding our inner intelligence again. And that's why in my sessions, I'm never wanting to for one, make people necessarily rely on me to make them feel empowered and to rely on me to say, oh, you can have this, you know, I see this in your future. So I'm very clear to always say I'm not a fortune teller. And on top of that as well, when we're working with astrology, the cosmos is only reflecting to us what is already happening within. It is not affecting us in any way. So it's like just understanding that the cosmos is the macrocosm we are the microcosm and it's completely interlinked. It's all one. In terms of holding space for challenges that might come through, it really depends as well on, like you said, where someone is at in the evolutionary state of consciousness. And again, I think people can come to me and have as many readings as they want, but if they're not willing to go back and do the work themselves. All they're going to be receiving is information that goes in one ear and out the other, you know, and that's why the biggest thing I try to help my clients do is create action steps that they can genuinely take back into their daily life. And even if it's the most smallest incremental thing, begin to implement this not newfound wisdom, but this remembered wisdom that they already hold within them. Um, Again, like all we're helping to do through astrology is make someone remember and connect with their deepest soul desires. All of the wisdom is already inside of them. So hopefully that answers your question a
1: little bit. (laughs) Oh, it does. It really does. And it's so powerful. And again, just completely aligned with what I think as well. I think in the sort of decade that I've been exploring self and spirituality, you know, and again, I go back to the shame and the embarrassment. I have found the first part of my journey, I really was subscribed to that guru of that person mm-hmm. who was going to like help me reach this thing called enlightenment. Right. Yeah. And then having that realization that enlightenment is a state of being yeah. and it's available to all of us in any given moment. And I kind of feel for the me back then to go, oh gosh, like the amount of money that you spend and the things you show up for and do under this sort of like guise of this person being the the answer to all of your questions when actually, and like, what is the responsibility of people who are still sort of, I don't know, like saying that they're that guru? I, that's kind of something that's been coming up for me as well. It's like, what responsibility do they have? to share a little bit more honestly about like, I don't, I'm not the answer. You know, you are the answer. It's I've got the knowledge that will help you explore yourself internally, not, um, but yeah, it's, I'm so glad you said that because it's inside of us. And I think a lot of people don't want to hear that because you're like, oh, well, that sounds like a lot of work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And especially when it comes to love and relationships, I think, you know, This has been such a good teacher for me as well. It's like, I've always wanted to see in the past a psychic or a tarot reader, just, you know, tell me, am I going to meet someone? What is, what's it going to look like? And it's like, every time we're asking these questions outside of ourselves, we're literally disempowering ourselves rather than taking charge and going, I'm going to do the work. I'm going to clear the blockages that are stopping this from coming through. And if my self-worth is in alignment with what I'm calling in, I know it's going to come through for me. And it's, yeah, it's just about, again, really, um, it even makes it more practical as well. (laughs) And like you said, though, it's about taking responsibility.
1: (laughs) Mm, Preach that. Well, let's talk about north and south nodes because that's probably Uh, beyond the basics of understanding my natal chart. Um, The thing that's really been the big aha for me, I think, Um, is giving me a lot of... um, clarity as I um I guess step into my karmic path yeah Um, can you explain the two and um yeah and then I guess broadly my understanding is that we want to sort of like lean into our north and lean out of our south
0: yeah yeah so a lot of astrologers I mean, every astrologer has such a unique way of interpreting the chart. But what I've always intuitively led with when it comes to the South and North Node is I see the South Node as very much painting a picture around the energetic past, you know, whether it's energy we're carrying from our ancestors or from past lifetimes. Um, but it's what is this patterning, this habitual behavior, emotional attachments that your soul has come through within this lifetime that are essentially holding it back from the growth it's needing to do. So when we're looking to the south node, we're always looking to a bit more of the shadowy manifestation of this energy. And it's, purely because it's an energy you were so comfortable with in the past, or it might've been a coping mechanism that you were unable to integrate with the energy that was on your North node. So the North node is representative of that, which is unfamiliar, that which is fresh, that the trajectory of our soul's evolution, you know, where the soul is needing to move towards for its karmic liberation There can always be a bit of resistance towards moving to the north node. And what we have to remember ultimately is we're not wanting to get rid of the south node. We're always wanting to aim for balance. So we're wanting Mm. to balance out these two energies, um, Sometimes, especially when people are on a path of self-growth, they will go too far into the North Node and then they're needing to sort of like come back into the middle again. So naturally as human beings, we tend to pendulum swing (laughs) until (laughs) we get the sweet spot. And I think that can be a bit of our experience with the North and South Node. But like I said, some people live multiple lifetimes in their South Node. And, um, Yeah, I I think as well when it comes to looking at it with the rest of the chart as a whole, when we find out about what the energy of our south node is, it, it can sometimes be such a realization for people. They go, oh, my gosh, that's why I feel so different sometimes to maybe what my sun sign is because the south node can have such strong, like I think of it as something that has energetic hooks in us And it's Mm. sort of like pulling us back in.
1: (laughs) Yes. And you're like, no, South Node, I will not go down that path. (laughs) I really value the balance because I guess my understanding, yeah, was the leaning in and leaning out. And it's so kind of nice to think about that, finding the middle ground of, of those two things.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we can really apply that a lot, you know, when it comes to not only life, but astrology, of course. I mean, the birth chart being a reflection of everything that you already are inherently. Um, So if we are ever feeling a bit unhealthy in one of our energies, a bit you know, doing it too much, we can always look over to what is the opposing sign. Because in astrology, we have 12 archetypes, we have six axes. And I always like to say, each axis has a shared intention. It's just showing us opposite ends of the spectrum.
1: I um, I watched your recent video on actually the 12 archetypes of the zodiac. And, um you know, I was saying I'm a Cancerian um, sun. And in the lead up to launching um offline school is interesting because as I watched your video I was like oh yes there's a lot I can take from Leo you know in like really stepping up and like putting it out there um is that then like is that a lesson for our sun sign to like look at the sign ahead and draw down on the energy of that if we need it I
0: guess, yeah, you could always, you could perceive it in that way because like I was saying in that video, it's like every consecutive sign sort of makes up for the shadow of the previous sign, especially when we're looking at the entire zodiac as as a life cycle, you know, that can be applied to a business, a relationship, a human life. So we can definitely look to the next sign to see, you know, what could help me in the next steps of my evolutionary journey. But there's already also so much we can find in your needle chart itself to tell us what that looks like for you
1: as well. Mm, so juicy. Um, yeah. I feel like we can't keep talking without talking about what's at play right now. I guess mm-hmm. cosmically. Yeah. You told me that a lot of what's happening at the moment will still be unfolding through retrograde later in the year.
0: So yeah. give
1: us, yeah. What's your interpretation of what's at play right now, and then what can we expect? further down the track.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you see, this is the thing with astrology and it's again, something that I want to say to empower everybody, not to scare anybody. Um, with astrology, there's so many, there's thousands of different of ways, different ways this energy can manifest in this physical reality. And it's always going to manifest depending on where our individual and collective consciousness is at. Mm. So we knew c- leading up to this year that this year was going to be crazy. There's such intense transits happening this year and big shifts happening, which ultimately, when we look at this objectively, it is very exciting. but when it comes to what is happening right now, it feels very intense <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah it, I mean, even from the beginning of this year around the first lunar the second lunar eclipse that happened, it was in the 11th of January, the second in, you know, eclipses come in little uh, pairs or trios. (laughs) And that was the peak of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. And then about mid to late March, we had a very intense stellium between Pluto, Jupiter, and Mars in Capricorn. And for about the past year and a half, we've, we've had the South Node moving through Capricorn. And essentially, there's heaps of stuff happening in with the Capricorn archetype this year. So Capricorn is an archetype. It, I find it to be the one that's the most interrelated with patriarchal consciousness, purely because Capricorn... Has a lot to do with um, societal structure, social expectation, gaining the th- gaining the permission from one's authority in you know their community around the globe, um, how people see you through the lens of what you do in the world. So when it comes to the Capricorn archetype, it's amazing because it's hardworking, it's responsible, it's ambitious. But the shadow there can also be like having a lot of pressure put on one's shoulders. And when we're looking at that collectively, especially when Pluto comes to town, Pluto is the planet of death and rebirth and transformation. So there is major catharsis and rebirthing happening with the archetype of Capricorn at the moment. So collectively that looks like the complete breaking down and purging of societal structures. Also with Pluto, it's bringing anything that's been hidden beneath the surface out into our conscious awareness that can feel, again, very uncomfortable for a lot of people. And that's why I'm saying at the moment, it's amazing if we're thinking about what's happening around the globe, a lot of people are being forced to sit with their psychological baggage that has been building Mm -hmm. up for like their whole life. So imagine the energy that's just lifting from the earth right now as people are processing and hopefully letting go as well. Mm. So I do believe there is a huge purge. There's a huge re-equal, re-equalizing or equilibrium happening with mother earth right now. And that's why we're seeing the loss of a lot of, Physical lives as death, um, but there's also death happening in so many different ways for us at the moment. So this mm. year is such a huge one of just letting go, letting go, letting go. And like I was saying to you, even if there was the coronavirus was to settle down, because these transits are retrograding again later this year, we're very much sitting with this energy for the rest of this year. So mm. we already saw before. Um, the virus there was heaps of natural disasters happening we just had the bushfires in Australia so yeah this year mother earth's really just like let me breathe
1: <laughs> yeah so this is interesting I guess the inter- my interpretation is w- focus less on the manifestation of the energy and more on the energy Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So less about the focus on, oh my God, this global pandemic, this virus and lifting up out of that and sort of looking at sort of broadly, what is the energy at play and what are we here to sort of, or what are we, is it what we're being called to respond to? Is it a response that nature's looking for?
0: Well, I would say, you know, like I say, I like to say to my clients, we need to look at what work we need to do on a personal level right now to support this collective shift that is happening. And so for one, you know, you can go and look at where Capricorn is in your birth chart, what house that falls in, and that will help you to understand what realm of your life is really being activated with these transits. And that's in the Mm. mid to late 20 degrees of Capricorn. Um, But essentially, sort of like we were saying before, I think it has a lot to do with us really allowing ourselves to let go of old structures and, you know, forms of survival and even ways of exchange and money and value. All of these things are needing to really shift for us at the moment. And another big one that's been coming up for me a lot is redefining what not only our sense of truth is internally, but how our body speaks to us. For so Mm. long, we're, again, seeking external answers, you know, what are they saying? What are the experts saying? And we've, we continue to distrust what the body is actually trying to tell us in that moment, because sometimes what's right for our body could be so different to what everybody else is telling us externally and if anything i think it's really important for us to all be taking this time as an opportunity to retune into our sen- sensations and our bodily you know responses so and that also relates to Uranus moving through Taurus, um, which is happening for like the next six years. It's And Taurus okay. being the archetype that is our body, it's the earth, it's our stability. And Uranus is this planet of the future and evolution and transformation. And we're seeing a bit of that as well with Saturn in Aquarius. Saturn ruling structures and boundaries and confinement and Aquarius is just like, "Ah, oh, I need to get free. I need to get out of here." So, yeah, there's just so much evolution happening at the moment.
1: Oh, it's so fascinating. yeah, and you know, I'll go back to you talking about um this collective release of like psychological baggage, such a great way to yeah. put it. <laughs> um it's been yeah, really coming up for me, just that deep worry for people who don't have the or haven't mm-hmm. yet explored the tools that might help them move through that or perhaps they don't have access to the knowledge um yeah. that they need, and I've been yeah, there's it's quite dark when I think about there's a lot of people who are literally stuck inside their homes but stuck inside their heads as well, and like yeah, just how concerning that is, and then it just makes me think about our just extreme privilege you know to be able to access knowledge people like you certainly um hope I hope what the course and the courses I do will become to the women who choose to study them as well but um but yeah I do check my privilege a lot in this time because I think wow like how amazing that it has been my path to explore that so I'm prepared for this but certainly for the people who don't um It's very worrying, isn't it? Because I think we haven't yeah, found that, you know, the first place you want to go to is I'm bored, but like there's a difference between boredom and stillness. And because Mm -hmm. we're not used to sitting in silence and sitting with ourselves, to your point, feeling into our bodies, um, it can be quite terrifying in the beginning. I remember when I first started, it was, you know, some of the hardest work I've ever done on myself is... It happened when I wasn't speaking and when you know my eyes were shut. Um so mm. I can't imagine yeah trying to do it throughout this climate as well I guess. So anyway I just share that to say I've just Send been having heart. a lot of empathy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah and hopefully this is a free podcast. So hopefully um yeah. you know listening to your wisdom is um is helpful to a lot of people I want to switch gears a little bit. Um we don't have a lot of time left. How, um, I don't know the answer to this or if, yeah, what your view will be, but how can we use astrology or is it more our actual, our personal natal chart to inform the shape and perhaps the intention and success of our businesses? Like I'm thinking about the women who are running their own businesses. How can we draw down on the, that knowledge to inform what we actually do in our, in our work? Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. So I love it's one of my favorite parts of the reading to always talk about this, of course, um, because for me, I think our, our career is just one of the most empowering things we can you know what and of course whatever that looks like for us as well it doesn't have to be you know the career of going out and being in the world and being seen by everyone you know yours might be a beautiful small business that you run from home or it might simply be just looking after your family which is a fucking huge job to have in this mm-hmm. lifetime so it's important for me to express that you you have to do, for one, of course, what feels right for you. And this is actually something I was talking about with my friend yesterday, you know, when we're not comparing ourselves to anything outside of us, when we're not looking at what they're eating, what they're drinking, what they're doing for work or whatever, like what actually feels good for you in this moment. And it's so important to sit with that. Um, Now in saying that, if you are interested to see what your soul is talking to you or how it's trying to express what it wants to do career-wise in this lifetime you should look to the midheaven in your birth chart so the midheaven is the cusp of the 10th house whatever archetype is there it's actually representative of the constellation that would have been passing, where the sun would have been passing through at the highest point in the sky at the time of your birth. So how that reflects to us, it's our career, it's our reputation, it's how we can also successfully make money and be abundant in this lifetime. And um, something else to go even deeper with that is you can look to what the ruler of the midheaven is. And the way you do that is, you would say, say your midheaven is Leo. You'd go, oh, what planet rules Leo? Oh, the sun? Where's the sun in my birth chart? And then you could mm. go and look there, and that would give you a little bit more depth. Another way as well, we can always look to the ruler of the second house and the sixth house in the chart. The second house very clearly can reflect what's the best way for us to be having an income source. Um, the sixth house is more to do with our, 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 little details of work and our coworkers. The eighth house also relates even to shared resources and sometimes business partners and, you know, shared money. Mm-hmm. And I think the best thing to remember as well is that when we are aware of what these energies are in our chart, just remembering that this is purely a reflection of your soul blueprint and the more you are in alignment with that, the more the universe energetically, just through that reflection, is supporting you because yeah. you are coming into equilibrium with your organic state of being. And our external environment is only reflecting what our inner relationship is like with ourselves. So the more, and then naturally from that as well, the manifestations and the abundance that's flowing into your life is going to feel so fulfilling because it is coming from your soul purpose. So, Mm.
1: yeah. (laughs) Oh, so beautiful. And again, I just have to raise it like so much of what you're saying, we are really aligned in the way we sort of think about conscious success and purpose and a big, um, what really the primary lesson I teach in that first course is um, if we can have a true understanding of our individual energy And we can access and understand our unique gifts. And then if we can understand the need of the time, we will be, quote unquote, successful. But that's what I call true self-success. Because if we can put those two things to use to serve, and when we take our focus and success off our individual, and we put it onto people and things and the evolution of all things, the fulfillment we feel is like, isn't it just infinite? Like the happiness yeah. that you get from just knowing that you're actually in service um, and yeah. that you're here making a difference to all things, it's it's so beautiful. I already know I have to go and put this in the course. I have to put this episode in. Oh, uh, um, yay. Yeah, because I've got a little bit of homework for people of what episodes they might want to listen to for different topics. And, um, beautiful. Yeah, this is just like quite divine timing actually for me, so thank you for uh, sharing your knowledge yeah and I just encourage anyone um listening to consider having a reading with you and I'm going to go and do the same because I think there's yeah I think there's actually so much you could teach me about um about myself um before we go I have a couple more questions for you um Mm -hmm. one I guess is a little bit more personal and I'm very intrigued to learn a little bit more about it so um you're a temple dancer and I want to learn a little bit about like what that is and then how does dance and astrology intersect for you? Like how do they come together?
0: Thanks. I love that question so much. (laughs) So, yes, apart from astrology, ever since I was very young, dance has always been one of my greatest passions as well. And just having a free flow of movement in the body. And um, as soon as I left school, I just have always felt very called towards more ethnic style dance practices. But when we say temple dance, it's much more like Indian, Indonesian, very, uh, yeah, a bit more like Asian style dance. And, you know, temple dance, it's one of these cultures that is slowly beginning to be revived in the world. Um, Temple dancers, you know, in ancient times in India, they would all live together in the home and they would just train together every day and they would devote themselves and marry the divine, you know, and they're, they would literally use their body and the movement as a way to uplift humanity through the way they're expressing themselves in their body. It's yeah. So for me, um, the way that I'm weaving these two together, that's still such a, Question I'm asking myself, but it's definitely something I'm going to open up space to start channeling through me because I do use a lot of embodiment practices in my workshops because I love to help women really ground the intellectual wisdom into the body. Um, And I'll usually use practices that really align with each of the planets or the topics. But I am planning eventually to release a course where. We're really weaving the two together, which I'm so excited about. So
1: <laughs> yeah. You'll have to um keep me posted so I can share it when it's ready. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, I'll put I'll put your um your website in here anyway, so people know how to Thanks. find you. Um I have a final question for you, and it's the same question I ask each of my guests. And offline exists as an exploration of true self so who are we without all of those external referencing things like the labels that we put on ourselves and the Instagram followers we have and so my question is when you're sitting in your true self um who are you and what comes up for you when I ask that
0: that's a really beautiful question I feel yeah I feel a lot of How do I put it into words? I've always been very driven by opals. I know it's very random. (laughs) No, I love it. But opals and um just this essence of effervescence, I guess Mm. is the best word to put it into, and just magic and um being a bit of a fairy and being light but also very deep at the same time and um Yeah, I I was actually considering my authentic codes and it's somewhat along the lines of expansion, which involves a thirst for culture. I'm constantly thirsty for different cultural backgrounds. Um, And I I adore like luxury self-care. So that's another (laughs) part of it. (laughs) You know, being a Cancerian, you know.
1: (laughs) Got it. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but I think movements and astrology, you know, whether I was online or offline, that's something that is going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. So yeah, I guess a bit of a gypsy soul as well.
1: <laughs> mm. You yeah. are just exquisite. What a no, beautiful conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to share with you, I wasn't really prepped for the combo in that I didn't feel I needed to be. I didn't feel like I would need like these hardcore questions to make my way through. I kind of sensed that we might just have a really great chat and we'd see where it went and that feels quite true to me.
0: Oh, beautiful. Yeah, that flowed so beautifully. And you're so wonderful.
1: Oh, thank you. You don't have to say that. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to explore more episodes, the online courses I've created to help you succeed consciously, and upcoming community events. Follow getoffline.co on Instagram and me. My handle is Alison Larson Rice. Lastly, if you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.